River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song. River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Niner Nuts. I am Dan here along with James. James, say hello. What's up, Niner Nation? And newly appointed co-host, no longer super fan. Now he is just co-host Eric. Eric, say hello. Hey, everyone. Glad to be here. And we are back. We know you all are listening on Tuesday at the earliest, but we tape on Victory Monday, and we are celebrating Victory Monday. Sorry, sorry I forgot the mute. Jimmy's definitely <laughs> celebrating right now. Um, <laughs> but he's pre-gaming uh, for his I'm game pre- tonight. I'm pre-gaming for the Eagles tonight, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That. Oh, my God. Funny story. I, I, I'll I, finish the intro. I literally forgot yesterday, uh, and I kept forgetting, and I kept forgetting because I forgot last week when we were taping, and I forgot last night that it wasn't Chiefs-Eagles on Sunday night. It's Monday night, and I still watched Broncos-Vikings, but a little part of me was sad. I was just like, oh, damn it. I thought... <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I, I digress. We are celebrating on Victory Monday because we tape early, guys. Uh, we have beaten Tampa Bay Buccaneers 27-14. to 14, And to do the nerdy numbers stuff, Brock Purdy is back to BCB form. He had a perfect passer rating of 158.3 and a quarterback rating of 77.5, I think, if you care about that rating. Are you talking about QBR or... If that's what the other one is that ESPN made. Oh, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's like it was it was like 77. So I'll Oh, that's so stupid. <laughs> I know. I don't I like the passer rating more too. Um yes. but he had threes across the board, 333 passing yards and three touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey went over hundred total yards and had a receiving touchdown. Kittle went off uh 89 yards and touchdown. Brandon Ayuk game ball to him he had a career high 156 yards and a touchdown and then Debo Samuel made the most of his catches with 63 yards and just one negative one yard rush so that was kind of surprising he didn't rush that much um and then uh for Tampa Bay we got to Baker Mayfield four times for four sacks he left with a passer rating of 70 uh 77 basically 246 passing yards not bad but only one touchdown and one pick Running game was non-existent. Uh, uh, White only accounted for 58 total yards receiving and rushing despite having a touchdown. And Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, neither of them even crossed 50 receiving yards. Their highest receiver was their tight end, Otten, who had 49. So no receiver even crossed 50 yards receiving. Plus, Baker Mayfield had a lost fumble, so really he had two turnovers. Uh, I say all that. Uh, yet if we were watching it all, like I assume everybody was, we definitely were. I uh, it was a little surprisingly close, uh, a little too close for comfort at the uh, at the end of the game there. Um, and then of course the victory came at a fairly bad cost of losing Telenohu Funga, who tore his ACL. Uh, we can talk more about that, but um, but yeah, no, I'll take the win. I'm very happy. Brock Purdy looks great. I'm glad the defense bent but didn't break because we tend to do that even in the face we don't full on break so at least i'm i am more happy than i'm not but i mean there are a little bit of concerns of course that we can dive into um as we only have three days before playing seattle on thanksgiving night in primetime in seattle um but yeah 
not I have far more to celebrate than to complain about, but I do want to get into a little bit of the concerns we have, especially with Telenoa out. But um, either of you guys, I open the floor to you, Jimmy or Eric, whoever wants to take next for uh, what they thought of the game. Well, I mean, the Hufunga loss is um, is pretty bad. I mean, Brown coming in and getting attacked right away as soon as soon as he was out, and Brown giving up that. Uh, it was it was a touchdown or a big play or something if I remember correctly, um, right out right as soon as Hufunga was out of the game. So hopefully they can get him up to speed uh, for this uh, Seahawks game. Or I imagine who's ever playing quarterback for the Seahawks is just gonna they're gonna put like DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett on his on him or whatever and just try to take advantage of that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you never want to see a guy like, like Ufanga go out. Um, I, I, I think we're fortunate in that, you know, him going out, he went out in a position where we supposedly have strength behind him. I mean, we drafted this kid this year um, out of Penn State in the third round. Um, you know, you draft third rounders for a reason. You expect them to be able to contribute and be able to step up and play if needed. And some cases you expect him to start for certain teams. You know, fortunately, he didn't have to start for us based on the the depth that we already had. Um, so I, I'm expecting him to come in. I'm expecting him to do well. I'm expecting him to, to make some plays. Um, Hufanga, he kind of, he, he's kind of a hit or miss guy for me uh, anyways. I mean, he makes a lot of big splashy plays. The ball always seems to find him. I don't know how he managed to make that happen. You know, the ball bounces 15 feet in the air and he ends up finding it, um, you know, one way or another. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he, he just kind of throws that shoulder in there when he, when he tackles. Um, So I think, uh, you know, he misses a lot of tackles uh, sometimes too, and a little bit reckless that way. So I I think Brown coming in, I I think it's, it's possibly a step down. I don't think it's going to be as big of a loss uh, as it would be if we lost a starter at a few other positions. I mean, you know, go back a few games, right? We lost Trent um, for, for a couple of games. We lost Debo for a couple of games that seemed to really take us down a notch or two. Um, I don't think we're going to see that same sort of impact on the defensive side of the ball with Ufanga going out and Brown coming in. Yeah. The, the only way for us to really take a step back on defense, I think like, um, well, I'll put it this way. The defender that would have as big an impact as losing Trent would, uh, that would be Fred. And like, you oh said, my gosh. We, yeah, no, if we lost Fred <laughs> that, then it would be red alert. Like this is critical. This is really bad. Um, but, but no, like you said, uh, Jair Brown, we talked him up on the show. Um, if you remember, uh, months ago when we were doing, uh, our draft episodes, um, there was a lot of hype around the guy, um, that we talked about, I guess we kind of hyped him up a little bit cause he went in the third round, but, um, I was very happy when we ended up picking him, not just because we guessed it right, but his skill set seemed to fit us really well. And yeah, he had his welcome to the NFL moment. He got torched on like three passes in a row and then uh fred got the pass interference call uh before ultimately the touchdown um i can't remember which touchdown it was i think that might have that wasn't avery thomas against mike evans one-on-one wasn't it i don't Um, remember yeah no anyway but you gotta think at right after that though call it right place right time circumstantially but he had two two critical pass breakups that really helped us. And then, yeah, the pass doinked off of uh, Hargrave's helmet and then landed in his hands. But 
he had the wherewithal to be in the right position to not let the ball touch the ground. And he got his first career pick. Like, so I want to celebrate the guy a little bit. There's definitely the potential that um, he, he was worth the draft pick and he can slot in. Cause I think we drafted him intending to replace Gibson. Who's 33 years old mm. uh, next year. Yeah. And then it would be Hufunga if we could have afforded him. Cause prior to this ACL tear, we were going to have to negotiate him because he didn't have a fifth year option, but there's another silver lining. We're not going to have to negotiate his contract for a year. Um, <laughs> but um, as morbid as that was, but, um, but no, I, I am a little, I am a little worried, of course, mainly just because of the turnaround and he's a rookie, like, but is it that bad? Is it like that bad? No, our rush is still there. Our linebackers are still there. Like if he is, if he is half as good at just general pass coverage as Hufunga or Gibson are, I don't imagine it being that bad a drop off, but it'll be those deep shots. Like where he's just got to be able to handle himself on those deep man demands where he picked up the guy that the linebackers left. Like as long as he doesn't really get torched on those, I mean, honestly, I think we'll, we're going to be okay personally. Yeah. And the Seahawks will challenge them a little bit on that. I mean, they'll send Lockett deep. Oh, they'll send the, Smith and yeah. Jigba deep they got the a couple of times. Yeah, so I mean, he's going to have to be prepared for that, and he's going to have to follow, you know, what he's supposed to do out there. But um, I, like I said, I, I, I just don't think there's going to be that much of a drop off. I think that we'll end up being okay, um, and I think him getting a chance to play in the Seahawks game before, um, not that we're looking ahead, but as fans, we can look ahead, right? Because we're not really playing the game, but you know, looking ahead to that Eagles game in two weeks, I think it's good for him to get a game uh, under his feet and get out there and and play on the road in a, in a stadium that's hard to play in, um, in a situation on a short week. I mean, he's kind of got all the variables stacked up against him. So if he can rise to the challenge and, and play decently this week, that bodes well for him playing in the Eagles game. Well, yeah, especially, uh, since you could say, uh, Seattle has a similar type of, uh, wide receiver situation with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I mean, those guys have been doing it for a while now, um, so I think, yeah, he'll, he'll definitely, uh, if he'll definitely get a, a challenge, you know, cover if he has to cover them one-on-one, but if he can, uh, keep his own, then go, it'll be helpful for him going into that Eagles game. Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Uh, speaking a little more broadly about like the defense itself, um, were we, were either of you guys worried at all as I was in the second half, like, Looking at the box scores, like I read, numerically, we held them in check. But the eye test, though, I was clinching um, I was clinching a lot in the second half. Like, after we gave up the, the punt return, and then we had, like, three drives in a row that were basically three and outs. And we, it seemed like we were just, we couldn't just keep the foot, our foot on the gas and just keep them down. We kept giving them opportunities to, to get back into the game, but... I mean, to our defense's credit, a rush, we got four sacks, but if we got a fifth or sixth, if we got a fifth or sixth sack in that second half, like it could have been sealed a lot faster. But I don't know. Were, were there anything that you think we need to worry about, like long term, that we saw just in this game? Oh, uh, from my perspective, and and I don't have a good solution for this because it's just how the 49ers defense is built, right? Our front four is built to go and and blast the quarterback right so like all of our energy is expended at going to go get the quarterback so that naturally just leaves us susceptible to 
screen passes and quick passes because everybody is just whoosh right at the quarterback. So, I mean, naturally, if you just plop it over top of them real fast, you know, you're going to find guys open in that little gap between the linebackers and the defensive line. And, you know, Tampa was quick passing us to death. I mean, I, there was times in the second half where Baker was just, you know, two yard here, three yard here, four yard here, three yard here. And he was just, but I think that's how the 49ers want to play. I think they're willing to say that if you're going to go and make a, a 10 or a 12 or a 14 play drive against us, we're willing to take that because we're going to bet that at some point in time during that series, you're going to make a mistake and we're going to capitalize on it. And I think that's what their defense is designed for. I think that's what they're built for. I think that's what they're set up for that either at some point in time, they're going to get you into a third and a long and they're going to come and they're going to, they're going to sack you with that pass rush that we were just talking about that you've been quick passing your way out of, or that you're going to, you know, just make a mistake on your own from some pressure or whatever. But I think they're just kind of playing the odds there that out of a 12, 14 play drive, you're eventually just going to make a mistake. And I think that's how that's set up to go. And I think that's what we're going to have to just be comfortable living with. And that's the area that we're going to have to live in. Yeah. So, here's, it, <laughs> so you're saying the inverse of what I was thinking, because it would always bother me, like, especially during the, the, the losing streak where we were giving up 10, 12, 14, probably at least one 16 play drive that just wouldn't end. And we were, it felt like death by paper cuts. I know I sent that in our text chain during a, uh, the most successful drive that Tampa had. Like, I think it was that first drive in the third quarter where they were just screening uh, white to death. And um, it was just, so you're saying that, no, like we're, we want, we would rather give up a million of those and have a chance to catch a mistake versus over overwhelm them and try to do a three and out. Well, yeah, that's the way defensive philosophies are steering towards now. Uh, defensive philosophies around the league, even if you look at the Eagles, Jonathan Gannon from last year, that's the way, I mean, for the two years he was there, that's the way his defense was built. You look at, you look at the quarterbacks who played the Eagles and Jonathan Gannon's against Jonathan Gannon's defense. Derek Carr had a career day, 92%, you know, completion percentage, you know, but what you get in return is that you don't get beat by deep plays um, that can really sw- shift the momentum of the game. And like Eric said, there's the more you're passing and the more you're, you're going and however many plays, if you got a good defense like the 49ers, the likelihood of getting, getting a turnover or making a mistake increases. Um, so, you know, if you're going to play a quarterback like Baker Mayfield, you know, that's great, you know, because Baker Mayfield has been known to – chuck and duck and <laughs> run all around and just throw it into double coverage all the damn time. Kind of so like Jameis Winston where he loves to go deep no matter what. Yeah. So, I mean, with, with uh, you know, so with, you know, Baker Mayfield, that's great. But, you know, you know, Geno Smith is coming up. You know, I, he's – I believe he's better than Baker Mayfield. At least he has been this season, I think. Um, you know, and Pete Carroll is a pretty smart offensive mind, I think, when it comes to re- t- getting the best out of his players. So I think he's going to look at that and just tell you, you know, just don't make mistakes, you know, just hold on to the ball. Um, and then you have Jalen Hurts the following week. If you want to give him three, four yards every single play passing down the field, they'll take it because if you look at the Eagles lately, 
they haven't been turning the ball over as much um, and they'll take that any day all day. So it's a give and take relationship because when you have a quarterback like Baker Mayfield, it works. But if you have a quarterback that's better then you're looking at, you know, giving giving up, you know, giving up points that way. So, yeah. So, so two points on that one to illustrate our example, Baker threw for 45 times and an average of 5.5 yards a throw for 246 yards. Brock only threw for 25 times for 333 yards with an average of 13.3 yards a throw. So the whole idea is just to limit how many yards they're getting and limit those big plays. They just don't want those big shots down the field, those big chunk plays. That's what that defense is trying to prevent. And then the second point, Jimmy, to what you were talking about there was, um, you know, I found it interesting and, and I'll be really curious to see if they end up doing it when they play them again this, this year um, is uh, when they played the Eagles, the front four played completely different against Jalen Hurts in that playoff game than they did before. If you noticed the ends were not pushing all the way up, they were kind of rushing about halfway and then stopping and sort of fading out so that Hurts couldn't get out and couldn't scramble. They were really playing more of a, a much more of a contained pocket than they were anything else, sort of um, pushing from the middle, but then fading out on the end. So I'll be really curious to see if they do that again. Well, I'll tell you right now, you don't want to make him a passer because he's one of the best passers in the league right now. I mean, you look at his last couple of games, Jalen Hurts is, 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 he's basically unstoppable in the past game. You could, I mean, he's not even with that bruised knee that he's got, he's not really scrambling around or doing anything like that. So I'll take it if they want to make a passer out of him and give up deep plays like they were trying to do, like they were doing in that NFC championship game. They want to play him like that. I'll be happy because Jalen's Jalen will torch him. I guarantee it. Well, remember the, remember the box score at the end of that game. It was not even, even with the advantage of knowing that he was going to get back out there on the field after three, four plays max, like it was still not overall a very efficient game. Our defense still, our defense still gave him a little bit of a headache. Like, no, the score at the end of the day, you still scored 30 points or seven or whatever it was. But I mean, our defense still wasn't letting up. Like if Purdy was still going to come back out there. Like I remember, I remember seeing Hertz struggle a little bit. So I'm hoping that we can look back at that and use some of that as like a baseline of just like, okay, assuming Purdy doesn't shatter his elbow again, like let's take a, let's take a look at what we did here that actually kind of worked against him and then see if we can grow upon that. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And I mean, Robin Gold's point was that if you force Jalen Hurts to be a passer, he's not very good. Well, I'm, I'm going to counteract that. It was, if you look at what he's done over the past, like three, four weeks, I mean, he'll, he'll, if they, if they play him the same um, and limit his running, but want to give him all day to throw, he'll pick he'll pick him apart. He will because yeah. he's that good of a quarterback. And so that's what I'm saying. Like they're gonna have to if they're gonna give that up to Jalen Hurts and do what they're doing now, uh, it's gonna be very difficult for you for you guys to stop him. Now I will say the Eagles are sort of iffy in the red zone area. So you know if you can hold well. them to field goals, I mean, you might be able to do that, but they have a little bit been better in the red zone over the past couple of weeks too, but we'll see, you know, it, I mean, it's coming out, it's coming in two weeks and we both have big games in between. So well, pulling it back to yeah. this game. I mean, yes, our man coverage will have to be playing the best man coverage we have all season come two weeks from now, but I, 
I don't know. You can definitely, obviously Baker's ability to read the field as a factor into it as well. That Jalen's, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Jalen's better. <laughs> yeah. But, but the receivers at face value, Chris Godwin, Parker and uh, Evans, they're phenomenal. And we held all three of them under 50 yards. So again, yes, Baker is a worse quarterback, but it looked like our man coverage the way that we have decided to play it now with Demo on the inside, Ward outright, and then uh, Ambry Thomas out left or whatever the proper way it is. That three man that three man way works way better than having Isaiah Oliver on the inside and Demo on the outside. Not that it was Demo's problem; it was definitely Oliver's. But <laughs> but no, it looks like that it, it, for covering as much man as we like to while we're blitzing and applying heavy pressure, it looks like we finally figured out given the talent we have on the roster, the best way to utilize it by getting Oliver out of there. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be interesting yeah. to see. Um, but since we have gone this long without talking about Purdy and hyping him up, we still have to, because we have uh, effectively the most efficient quarterback in the league by metric standards. Obviously the game is more than just the numbers, but when you look at the numbers, we must ask the question again, what the hell else does Purdy have to do besides have a fourth quarter, but when, to get some damn respect, <laughs> like for yeah. real. I mean, he's, I, got, I, he's got the arm strength. He hit Brandon Ayuk on that beautiful 70 yard touchdown last week. He hit Kittle on a beautiful 60 yard touchdown. And he's just, he's got it between the ears. There's very few quarterbacks that are as smart and situationally aware as Brock Purdy rant over. What the hell else does he need to do? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. If Brock Purdy was taken in the first round, we'd be talking about him in the likes of, the next great thing of young quarterbacks that he's up and coming, that he he's going to win Super Bowls. He's going to do so much. But because he was the last pick in the draft, everybody's like hating on him, thinking like, oh, because he's the last pick in the draft, he's the system quarterback, you know, and Kyle's just getting the most out of him. Like if he were he if he were on another team and Baker Baker was on this 49ers team, it, it'd be different, you know, and. I don't I don't agree. I think I think Purdy makes a lot. His decisions are better, way better than Baker Mayfield's, um, for sure. You can't even you know. say the system argument anymore because he's been better than Jimmy, who was our best quarterback. And then uh Hoyer didn't work, CJ didn't work, Nick Mullins flamed out after one game. You can't say he's a product of the system because if the system was that perfect, we wouldn't have even needed Jimmy. We would have gotten the most out of Bethard. Like yeah. <laughs> and what about the stat that Brock Purdy is is the first 49ers quarterback with a perfect passer rating since guess what the last two Hall of Fame quarterbacks for the 49ers that yeah. like, that should say it all like he has a this is the offense that Shanahan has been wanting to do for the longest time ever since he got into 49ers head coach he wanted to have a quarterback at an MVP level like he did when he had Matt Ryan. And that's what he got out of Matt Ryan. He made him an MVP. He can do the same with Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy has all the same tangibles that Matt Ryan has at least, you know, like you can't, you can't say really anything about more than that because, you know, he has the, like you said, Dan, the arm strength uh, between the ears. He doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, he, he has a great arm. He can make just about, he makes every single pass, you know, short, intermediate, and long. That's exactly what Matt Ryan could do with Julio Jones and all them players when he, when they took him to the Super Bowl. And Kyle was there. 
This is the offense that Kyle has been dreaming of running since he's one since he was a 49ers head coach. This is what got him Matt Ryan to MVP and got him to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think uh, you know, two things on that. I think one, this is what they really expected and thought they were getting when we got Jimmy in 2017. And he kind of had that five game stretch and went five and oh, and everybody was like, Oh my gosh, look what look what we've stumbled into. Jimmy was a little bit more mobile before he tore his ACL, seemed to have a little bit more pep in his throw, seemed to just be a little bit of a different quarterback during that five-game stretch. I know it was only a five-game sample, um, but he just kind of seemed to be a little bit different. And then, you know, the the injuries started happening, and and he was just never able to really kind of keep it together. And even when he did lead us to the Super Bowl, he still wasn't that that quarterback that we saw in that 2017 era. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think I think this is what Kyle has been fantasizing about and, and wanting all along. And then to your point about the MVP consideration, I think this goes back to the text chat that we were having a little bit earlier today. I think that whoever wins that Eagles Niners game, whichever quarterback comes out of that game, the the winner is going to be the front runner for MVP in the NFC. I mean, I think that's just yeah. all that's going to boil down to. Um, I, if Brock if yeah. Brock can play and win that game and beat beat the Eagles and beat Hurts. He's going to be the front runner for MVP. If Hertz, you know, unfortunately wins that game, he's going to continue to be the front runner for MVP. I think the only question in my mind would just be, it's possible that, yeah, I still think it's possible that Brock and and McCaffrey split the MVP in some way, shape or form. I I mean, I don't know. MVP typically ends up being a quarterback award, but McCaffrey is just having such a ridiculous season. Um, And given that they're both on the same team, I think you could see some, some, weird scenario where they split the MVP award, but I think if he can win and beat the Eagles, I think he's going to come out and, and be the MVP candidate. We've seen yeah. what the offense is like with JP Basin and Elijah Mitchell. It is, it is a dramatic drop off in um, it's a dramatic drop off in the running game alone. Um, neither of them were really used that much in the passing game, but that that's a testament to itself that they're not really that as reliable in the passing game either. So no, absolutely. Like uh, a possibility of splitting the MVP between the two of them. Yeah, that's a very real conversation that could be had if like a win against the Seahawks is going to be very important next or uh, in 3 days. <laughs> but um no, a, the real statement win is going to be if we beat the Eagles. Like mm-hmm. that is going to be cementing our flag. We're the F around and find out team. We want to face the Chiefs. Like that is going to be the biggest statement that we've had that says, "Hey, this time we're actually going to get to the mountain and win it." Yeah, I, and you know, honestly, I, 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 there's two points that I, I want to talk about here. Two, if Brock Purdy was on the team when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl, you'd have a ring. You'd have yeah. a ring. He would have hit sure, that pass. Sure. He would have hit that pass deep. Would have been over. You'd have a ring. Oh, you're that's not. How, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, and that that's that's the type of quarterback that Purdy is. Would he have hit the fade to Michael Crabtree at the end of Super Bowl 47? (laughs) (laughs) Crabtree was, Crabtree was pass interference anyway, so it didn't matter. I mean, this should have been a call. True. uh, The other, (laughs) the other point is if say Hertz beats Mahomes, but Purdy beats Hertz, you know, there's a world in which you could argue Miles Garrett might win the MVP, literally the best player on the best defense. Um, Sure. He's yeah. a candidate for defensive player of the year. But if somehow if somehow he wills uh them to <laughs> uh a playoff berth, you know, I think 
he, you know, that'd be an argument for defensive player of all time. Honestly. Yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> and it has happened. It has happened twice before. Alan Page in 1971 for the Minnesota Vikings and Lawrence Taylor for the Giants in 1986. So it has happened before. This is not out of the realm of possibility. It'd be once in a generational thing. But, you know, like I said, if Hurts if Hertz beats Mahomes but then loses the Purdy, then, I, don't, I mean, I you could argue that Garrett could be the MVP as well if he continues – and I, t- I mean, Cleveland's what three wins away from having 10 wins. And yeah. their offense is putrid. They've had what four <laughs> quarterbacks this year. <laughs> Thanksgiving, so, Thanksgiving week. They are four games over 500. That that's insane. Who, who, who the hell called that? <laughs> like, yeah. 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 So, like and Garrett's got, and Garrett's got like, 13 sacks. He's got 13 Gar- sacks. Yeah. Yeah. He's got 13 sacks. Now, I mean, I think, I think for you to be right, he's got to he's got to either break or be really sniff. He's got to probably have over twenty sacks, um, yeah. for to to be in that conversation. Um, he probably get there. I mean, you know. I mean, if he gets twenty sacks, and this whole world that I'm talking about happens, yeah. And Cleveland, I mean, Cleveland's up at the top of that freaking division, unbelievably. And that defense is playing so good. Who knows what they're going to do against Lamar Jackson? I mean, I, if there's a world in which Miles Garrett leads the Cleveland Browns to win that division with sure. 20 sacks and be the best player on the best defense, and like I said, and all, all those other things happen, we could be talking about Miles Garrett being MVP. They yeah. beat the Steelers who have a net. They shut they beat the Steelers who have a nasty defense. There's no reason to to think that they couldn't beat the Ravens who also have a nasty defense. Well, they have I a think, much better offense. But... I think, I think it, I think it was more that the Cleveland's offense was less inept than the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> offense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Kenny Pickett chicken finally came home to roost. Um. <laughs> well, to your point, Jimmy, the Browns schedule is pretty easy from here on out i mean they play the broncos which which the broncos have shown some life the last few weeks but they're still not what i would consider great they play the rams they play the jaguars they play the bears they play the texans which is potentially a very good game but then they play the jets and then they play the burrowless bengals so i mean like that's a very winnable schedule for them if their offense can do anything other than just suck (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean if they take care of the ball like that's all yeah. they have to do is it's take a high care of the ball. it's a high bar you're asking the team to i know cross yeah. yeah i mean I, I i literally i mean if if the world happens that he will get votes for mvp for sure and you know if the world i'm talking about happens maybe he ends up winning it you know so yeah he might. all right so he, here's something for here's something for you guys to think about what do you guys think we have to re-sign Ayuk this offseason, right? We have to devote whatever money we can to re-sign Ayuk. That's got to be a priority, right? And then at the same time, do we have to start talking to Debo about we need some of your money back? Like uh, three catches for 66 yards, like, eh, eh. I mean, he's <laughs> like, not the highest paid wide receiver in the league, is he? He's oh, right no, up he, there. <laughs> he was he's in the top ten. He was not top five pay, I don't believe. Hold on. Let me pull I'll tell you. 
Let me pull up Sports Track because that'll tell us how much more guaranteed money he's owed. Because I can't remember if it was front loaded or back loaded. Oh no, he's in a um, or no, uh, this is the first of the three years because it was tacked on, not negated. Uh, next next year is his first big deal. Twenty-eight yeah, and a half year, million next year. Yeah, that's the cap hit with a base salary of two, almost twenty-one. Um, oh Jesus! Um, and he's already re- he's twenty-eight and a half million against the cap next year. And he's already restructured. But uh, the cap he's... the cap space that you're getting next year already includes that, though. You have the the cap space no. forty-one and a half million carries over next year, doesn't it? The forty-one does carry over, but okay. So now we're going to take twenty-eight million, or uh, I don't know if it's the twenty-eight million or just the twenty-one base salary. That's half of that cap space just dedicated to Debo. True. Uh, I mean, wow. and he's and he's got void years, so we've already asked him to do a restructure. He's uh, a <laughs> he's getting an eight million dollar bonus uh, in twenty-six, and he's getting an almost two million in twenty-seven. So we've already diverted ten million of his salary into twenty-six and seven. I mean, just in terms of which two receivers I want to see on the field, I mean, Ayuk is clearly the better guy, in my opinion. As a as a strictly receiver, yes. The overall athleticism, well, actually, I don't even know. With just the just the way he just slices like a knife through butter in his routes, like Debo's just pure strength. Debo is strength and agility. Like uh, well, yeah, but I mean, like, so Debo's got, uh, let's see, Debo's got 27 catches for 395 yards and one touchdown so far this season. And he's run the ball 22 times for 123 yards. He does have two rushing touchdowns, but we're still not doing a lot with that. So, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know, like, he had his one great, I mean, good for him. He knows when to deliver. He had his one great gadget season when it was time to get paid. And since then, I don't know that he's making $28 million worth of money, in my opinion. It's definitely a fair question. I mean, well, I mean, like, if you're, I mean, like, look at like a guy, like, I mean, like, if we're talking about receivers making $28 million a year, we're talking about AJ Brown, we're talking about Devontae Adams, we're talking about Tyreek Hill. I mean, we're talking. I mean, I would take those three guys over Debo in a heartbeat. No, no offense. Right. I mean, yeah, I would too. I would he's, too. No, you're not wrong. I'm just thinking, like, and we do need to end on this question. I do need to. Hmm, it's there's an intangible factor of, uh, I guess you could call it the 2019 or the 2020 or at. Sorry, it's the the hangover of his breakout year that I think is definitely going to be carried over into this and what he means to the team on a personal level because he got voted as a captain finally. And the ceiling that maybe the ceiling after this year, if we look at the numbers and he didn't even hit 800 total yards again, maybe John Lynch will need to have that serious talk with him. And he would have every right to for sure. Like if you look at it, just cold, hard numbers like that. No. What you're saying absolutely makes sense. Um, it's, I don't know. I don't like thinking about a team without our team without Debo, though. But that, I get what you mean, though. When you, when you have the numbers, then because every other position, no. If you're not putting up the numbers, so, then no. Like, so, like, think about, think about. Do you want to keep Ayuk and Chase Young, 
or do you want to keep a Debo and maybe you have to let one of the other two go? Now, yeah. I mean, Debo brings Debo. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not trying to completely crap all over Debo. Don't get me wrong because he clearly does bring something to the table because we started winning again. Coincidentally, when he came back from his injury, so, his ability so, to keep defenses honest is very valuable too. not just the the numbers themselves, but the way he keeps a defense honest is something that not a lot of players have like outside of like, yeah. yeah. But like, if I start going through the list of guys making money, we've got, I just pulled up the receiver contracts. We got Tyreek, Devante, Cooper cup, AJ Brown, Stefan Diggs, DK Metcalf, then Debo. Mm, then you got Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore. I don't know why he makes all that money. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. I don't know why he makes all that money. Amari Cooper, sneaky good for the Browns. Godwin. So, I mean, like, he's in there with a pile of guys that are making big money and all show up week to week to week to week to week for their teams. And, you know, God love him, but there's some weeks where Debo just is is really a non-factor. And I, I just looked it up. And the 49ers have negative $14 million against the cap next year. If, yeah. So, I mean, we're going to have to move stuff around with their current contracts and what they'll eventually shell out to draft picks. Oh yeah. No, we have space. It's the only reason it's not that much worse is because we have 40 million in cap space right now. Cause we've only lost 2 million to chase young and Randy Gregory. So yeah. 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 So it's just a food food for thought question, right? Something that something to kind of chew chew on a little bit as we as we head into to the next couple of weeks here and stuff like that, and and the season plays oh, out. I mean, it definitely is. It makes it makes me glad I'm not the GM because I again like <laughs> yes, it is an emotional reaction. I don't like imagining a team without Debo, but no, that when you boil down to it and business and have those business discussions. No, it, it probably will be a business discussion because he's going to be going in, already have restructured his contract, to now be making literally like three times the money he's making right now. Um, anyway, guys, we are really pushing it on this episode. Um, so I think now, uh, guys, we got a great episode coming for you tomorrow. We'll tease what it is after we have a word from our sponsor, RoyalRetros.com. So what is RoyalRetros.com? It is your go-to place for an authentic throwback jersey. James is holding it there. And if you go scan that QR code, pause this episode, scan that QR code, and take a look at the Candlestick Collection. It is all 49ers-themed goodies for you all. Find something you like, throw it into your cart, and then use the promo code Shady Sports, and I'll get 10% off your entire order. You don't see the 10 there, but it is 10% off your whole order. There you go, James. <laughs> Again, guys, that is royalretros.com. Use the promo code Shady Sports in your Check out to get 10% off of your entire order. Go get yourself a Royal Retros jersey today. James, let them know about the charity. So, guys, uh, if you are a new watcher to the show, uh, we've taken up a cause to bring owner accountability to the NFL. In recent news, uh, over the past year, we've learned about owners like the Houston Texans minority owner uh, who uh, is charged with some very serious sexual crimes in Kentucky. And then we also have uh, Jed York, the COO of the 49ers, caught in a uh, a uh, insider trading scam uh, on a company that was helping students cheat during the 2020 pandemic. So things 
like this, if they were a player, we know about it right away. We know this because the NFL will release when they suspend a player, when a player gets in trouble. All of that is known pretty much at least within 24 hours uh, of it happening. So why are owner standards less than player standards? Well, we want to bring owner accountability by starting the hashtag owner standards are less than player standards, hashtag owner accountability. And to show you we put our money where our mouth is, we are selling shirts for Kentucky Crisis Center for charity. All the proceeds go to charity. Here's our statement, owner standards, less than player standards, hashtag owner accountability. All t-shirts start at $22.99 and we have different styles and different sizes and different colors of this t-shirt right here. Our next t-shirt is the uh, owner standoff shirt. This is a charity shirt that we, uh, we brought out uh, for the last season. Dan, do you have that shirt? There you go. All right. We brought out for the for the last season uh, with the Dan Snyder campaign, $22.99 gets you that, uh, different sizes and different styles. Next, we have our podcast logo art, uh, Niner Nuts. Uh, you will see this on Apple uh, Podcasts. You will see it on Spotify. You'll see it in our uh, YouTube profile. You can get it on a T-shirt, $22.99 gets you that uh, as, as a T-shirt, or we have different styles and different sizes. This is our alternate logo. Uh, t-shirt, just this plain Niner Nuts with the field goal, $22.99 gets you that in the t-shirt, uh, all different colors, all different sizes. And then our mascot, uh, uh, we have a nice peanut eating peanuts. How can you say no to that? $22.99 gets you that in t-shirt. Donate to a charity today. Go Google search bonfire and Niner Nuts apparel. It's literally the first thing that comes up. And you can donate to a charity today. All the proceeds go to charity. None of it goes to us. Exactly. Like James said, we just want to we want to give back to the community. We want you to have a cool shirt in the process of you doing that. Um, like he said, we don't want any money for that. Eric was aware of that when he signed up with us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's um, that's our charity that we were doing. Uh, I usually end the episodes with news, um, but really, I just want to end the episodes this week uh, with just a prayer and a shout out for uh telling Noah to have a speedy recovery it was it was incredible seeing you as a rookie in person block that uh block that punt that ultimately won us the game in green bay and uh just yeah speedy recovery man uh you are awesome inconsistent tackling aside <laughs> but no for real just prayers up i i cannot wait to see you back on the field next year we're definitely going to miss you the rest of the way this i year. mean like Deion sanders says it's the business decision you know like, yeah that's yeah, Deion sanders, sanders didn't tackle either so yeah, yeah we just speedy recovery man we we love for sure man for sure for sure we hope you come back soon yep yep so uh jimmy b want to sign us off Yes, that's it for uh, this episode, guys. Outro music, River Road, Justin Yu. Let's beat the Seahawks on Thanksgiving. We'll see you then. River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song. River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long. River Road. Where have all the women gone? Have they kissed her hand and waved you bye-bye? Have they thought about crossing your double yellow lines? River Road, they love the way you whine and cry. <laughs>